0: All right, we're going to show a video of Stephen. Uh, Why don't you pay attention to this? It's really pretty special.
1: I was struggling um, at home, struggling at work. Uh, I... um, really let my pride and my ego really kind of take over in a lot of ways. And I was going through a difficult time in life, and uh, I needed something different. I needed, you know, there's something missing for sure. As I kept lurking, looking and searching for something deeper uh, to fill that void in my life, um, that led me to get up one Sunday morning, come to church after... A good decade of being in a church, or um, you know, something would move me, and I would almost kind of fight the urge to cry in church, or I would almost fight to really kind of give myself uh, to God. So I was looking at it, and I was doing, I was walking the walk, but not really committed to the moments when I came here. Um, and you know, towards the end of service, you know, pastors would normally very good at you know saying if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart you know this is the time doing I said that's something that I haven't done and I know that I've been missing um yeah. just gave myself totally to God I I you know said this is the way uh you have me now things have everything taken from me uh literally everything taken from me um uh, so I was new to this. Uh, I'd given myself you know, to God and asked, you know, asked Him into my heart, and I, and I felt I was on a path. And then this happens, uh, and I truly, truly um, had some battles. I had some definite, you know, battles. One thing that always kept me, you know, I can always say is it actually brought me closer to God. It was I was frustrated. Um, felt rightfully so. I was uh, angry at times. I felt rightfully so. Um, family and friends felt that I, you know, what was happening to me was you know, unjust, and uh, it was it was and tough. I had, you know, some time where I really had to. I had to make two choices. I could fall back, give up, not truly, uh, you know flash out, I guess, um, at God and say, you know, do the, 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 pity, the pity party and ask, you know, why me? Uh, and don't get wrong, I did sometimes, you know, there was even during those very down days that I was having, um, you know, I slowly started to realize that he was there watching over me. And I know for a fact that he spoke to me on certain occasions and actually felt that he spoke to me saying that you're worth something. myself more, Um, I read the Bible more, Uh, I I prayed a lot more, I I looked at things not as cynical as I used to. Uh, I looked at things with joy and happiness, Uh, and the fact that I'm able to bring my children in, and they ask questions, sometimes my youngest daughter asks me questions that I'm like, thank God we have Sunday school today, and uh, you know... Liz will be in your class, and you can ask her all the questions in the world you want of her, uh, because I don't think I'm ready for these very, uh, very good questions from six-year-olds. But I'm, I'm very, very uh, excited uh, to truly have God back in my life and with me. shouldn't say back in my life. He's always been there. I just didn't recognize uh, that he was there.
0: Hey, Stephen, come on up. I want to give you a hug. <laughs> you know, that's pretty vulnerable. That's pretty real, man. It's, it's great. I'm proud of you. you. You know, one of the things which is so real in that uh, Stephen sharing is when you ask Jesus into your life, sometimes it can be a whirlwind. Uh, but sometimes like you're still in the struggle that you're in, but God is with you. And so, you know, Stephen, I just just encourage you, keep at it, you're on the right track, uh, good things are happening, we can see changes in you, and uh, yeah, you're not alone, uh, you're with us as a family, and more importantly, you've got the Lord, so bless you. You know, I, I just want to sort of pause you for a quick second and just thank our church, you guys have been really incredible And, uh, you know, just good things are happening. I think Stephen's testimony, uh, seeing people ask Jesus into their hearts, uh, seeing people healed. uh, You know, God is just doing a lot in our church and we just have a a lot of good things happening. So, uh, you know, I'm pausing to think, should I actually go on this tangent or 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 not? Uh, But I'm going to just share, Debbie, I'm sharing your story for you because I'm going to be... Running out of time. Last week, uh, Debbie, you know, the Lord really healed Debbie pretty dramatically. Her neck was all uh, stiff. She couldn't move. She had vertebr- uh, problems with her spine. Uh, uh, so, um I'm losing the the terminology, but anyway, the doctor said blah, 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 whatever, and uh, so last week, as you know, uh, you know, we took a chance and said, look, Lord, can you heal us, and many of you responded in faith by just coming in the aisle and just crying out to God, and you know, without any fanfare, uh, God dramatically heals instantly Debbie's neck, and so I checked in with her in the middle of the week, and I said, Debbie, how's your your neck? Are you still feeling healed? She said, oh, it's so great, I've done karate with my 36-year-old son, I just flipped him over on my neck. I'm like, I guess you're doing good. And and so Debbie uh, this morning was saying, yeah, it's great. So Debbie, praise God. We just, you know, I mean, all that is say, you know, we get together as a church because we want to experience God and we want to see God doing real things in our lives, personal things, you know, and uh, it's just awesome to see God moving like He is. And uh, we've taken, you know, as a church, uh, a, a risk again and again, uh, just like in this building, you know, we just pour out all we've got and we say, let's r- ramp it up. And the idea is so we can experience God and that your friends can experience God. And, uh, you know, I'm just, this church has just been amazing because people have given sacrificially and we feel like we take a risk, like, okay, Lord, I, you know, this like it's stretching us, and then the Lord comes through, and uh, I just wanted to uh, give you a big, guys, a big shout out for that, but today is our last um, in our series, and the series has been, This Is Us. And what we've been trying to uh, preach about is what are the values that we hold dear as a Vineyard Church and particularly as a Vineyard Church here in Hopkinton. And so I hope you've enjoyed this series. Today is the last in the series. And I want to talk about uh, a church that really values the presence of God. I mean, like we really value the presence of God. And, And like that's not just something we give lip service to but it's something that we each and every one of us need to experience like God loves us and God is real. And for each one of us, it's different. So I want to talk about that today, but uh, let me just remind you of what we've said this, this series, as we finish it off, Uh, we talked about a church that focuses on relationships, that relationships with each other is kind of like a big deal, It's not just show up on Sunday, see you next week. No, we want to connect in each other's lives. Then we're saying that a church is for all ages, whether you're real young or real old, you're welcome. And not only are you welcome, we expect you to participate in our body. Everybody's got a place here, which is one of our values. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. It's not just like my gig and, you know, the worship team's gig and you guys all just watch. No, we all get to play in one way or another. Another value that we have, which we've spoken about is a a church which uh, loves the world. In other words, we care about our community. We care about Hopkinson, Milford, the town that you live in. And we also take a little bit of our time and a little bit of our money. And we care about missions and overseas. And, you know, for a little church, we just put a lot of effort into that, and Thanksgiving's coming up. It's our big uh, turkey drive, and we'll be talking about that more. But, you know, these are the things that we value in a church. And today, like I said, this idea of experiencing God. Next week, we start a new series, and I hope you'll uh, invite your friends. Uh, We're going to be looking at the book of Galatians, and particularly talking about how do we experience God's joy? You know, so like Stephen's testimony this morning, it's like you, can, you get to feel like, okay, there's been some hardship here in his life. But how do you experience God's joy even in the midst of hardship? And what I am saying is it's very real. That, that's real Christianity. So I'm looking forward to our series starting next Sunday. I uh, hope you'll be with us. Last week, I was talking. I was saying, how do these vineyard values, how do they get traction not only here in our church, but like in other weird cultures. And it was just sort of bizarre to me to think that the first vineyard church outside of America was in Johannesburg, South Africa. Now, of course, being from there, I know the culture, so I can see the similarities and the differences. But here's the thing, there's 35 vineyard churches currently in South Africa. And if I told you where they were, it'll mean absolutely nothing to you. But for Henning and Amanda and myself, and I tell you there's a vineyard in Oudtshoorn. George, uh, you know, there's just like, how is that even possible? Culturally, these are vastly different. Now, let me just say this. In Mozambique, there are 80 vineyard churches. Now, look, most of you don't even know where Mozambique is, except if you're from Brazil. And if you're from Brazil, you know where Mozambique is. Why? Because they speak Portuguese. Oh, it's like great. Okay. I mean, how do you go into an African country where they speak Portuguese and they've got like two predominantly different local dialects and do vineyard and, and start 80 churches? Well, you know, I experienced this firsthand in a bizarre way. In, in I think it was 2003, uh, I went down to Chile. Now, again, I've got to give a shout out to John Lynch, our treasurer. And, and, and again, as a church which is willing to risk significant money. This is what happened. I went to, I went to John, he was, he's our uh, Treasury is on the financial team and I said, John, uh, the vineyard pastor at the Framium Vineyard invited me to go to Chile because there's a conference down there. I said, I, 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 do you think I should go? It's going to be like, it'll probably cost our church like $5,000 for me to go down there. And i got no idea why I'm going down there. I don't speak Spanish. I don't know anybody down there. I'm just going because Randy, the pastor asked me and I kind of thought maybe it's a good idea. What do you think, John? Do you think we can, as a church, spend $5,000? And John's like, yeah, I think you should go. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. know. You know, this is kind of, but this is how we are as a church. We're willing to take ridiculous amount of risk on things that we don't even know if there's going to be a payback. But let me just tell you what happened when I got down there. I get down there and the guy that's doing the conference on the kingdom of God is Derek Morphew, a South African. And I'm like, wait a bit, he speaks very clearly. I mean, he's got no accent, it's just really great. <laughs> but I'm in a Spanish culture, Chile. I'm like, and then I meet a guy down there from Sevilla, Spain, Seville. And we start a little connection, which is, you know, being the reason I've done so much missions work and joined the partnership here and, and focused down on that part of Spain. All because... John Lynch was willing to waste $5,000, let me change that, invest $5,000 in me to go what would seem like, you know, but here's another thing that I was just blown away by. Now I'm experiencing vineyard and vineyard values in Chile, a Spanish culture. And I'm seeing people from Spain do this. And it's like, okay, this is a whole, they just do things differently. But then I met Noel. Noel is from Kathmandu, Nepal. And I'm like, Noel. How on earth do you do worship in Kathmandu? And then he starts explaining to me, oh yeah, well, you know, we just do it like this. And I'm like, I, 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 my eyes are like this big. I'm like, really? And then how do you do baptism? Oh, baptism's a big deal because when you get baptism, this is like illegal. I mean, you, like you committing, that means you're totally into God. Your family's gonna uh, ostracize you. You could go to jail. And uh, so how many baptisms have you done? Oh, I think we've done about 300. I'm like, really? Ah, I think God is doing something using vineyard values. But here's the one that, that is, is the intangible. Experiencing the presence of God is not cultural. It doesn't matter if you're in Kathmandu, Nepal, if you're in India, whether you're in South Africa or Chile or Spain or Hopkinton. The important thing is that we experience the presence of God. And when we do, it is life-giving. And it's like we want more of the experience of God. So, uh, you know, let me just pray. I'm praying Psalm uh, 19 4. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O oh Lord. I just pray, Lord, that for your presence to be here, Lord, we can only ask you. We can't uh, do anything about that. You either show up or you don't, but we just invite you. We invite you to be more present. We we invite more of you in our lives. Lord, we just invite you to, to correct us and change us. Lord, I thank you that you love us. And today, Lord, I pray that each person experiences your love love and your presence. Your spirit is welcome here in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to really go quickly today and I want to look at four like incredible heroes in the Bible and how they valued uh, the presence of God, because I think each one of them is saying something that is accessible for us. I want to look at Moses. I want to look at David uh, I want to look at uh, uh, Paul in the New Testament and then the Apostle John. Now, of course, I, I just have to be brief uh, because there's just so much that could be said. But Moses, Moses was like the giant in the Old Testament. And uh, Moses is taking the Jewish people out of Egypt. He's in the middle of, you know, the desert. He's seeing God doing incredible miracles. The people have seen the presence of God and God doing all, you know, all sorts of incredible things. But Moses gets to the breaking point and he says, no, I'm not doing it anymore. So I'm in Exodus, I'm in Exodus chapter 33 and Moses is having this dialogue with God and he's saying, God, listen, uh, you know, it's not a question of, do I doubt your reality? He he doesn't doubt that. It's not a question of, does he doubt God's power? And no, that's not the issue. The issue is Moses is super frustrated with the people and he's like, really? God, really? I want to do this again. And so he's going backwards and forwards with God. And he has this bargain with God. And he says, God, listen, if your presence, if your presence will be with me, then I'm going to continue. But if your presence is not with me, I'm out. And God responds in an amazing way. And he says to, to Moses, Moses, my presence will be with you. And when my presence is with you, everything is going to be okay. Doesn't mean to say everything's going to be easy, but everything's going to be okay. And then Moses responds and he says, God, that's a differentiating factor. I mean, if your presence is with me, that's what differentiates us from everybody else. And if you will be with me, I'll keep doing what you want me to do. Now, friends, the point that I'm trying to make with sharing that is when we get to that desperation point and we say, God, if your presence is with me, I can do anything. I'll go anywhere that you want me to go. I'll do anything that you want me to do. Just like, give me your presence because your presence is what drives us, which sustains us, which gives us the ability to get up in the morning and say, I can keep fighting or I can keep going. Uh, So, you know, that's a great prayer that we can all pray. God, I desire your presence. If your presence is with me, you know, I'll keep going. I'll keep, it's a, yeah, you either, you know the presence of God or you don't. And when you do, you really, you, re- you really do. King David, you know, ironic that these two heroes in the Old Testament are both murderers. You know, Moses and King David, murderers. And yet God says these are gr- great people. I mean, there's just so much to be said about that, of how much God loves us as people. And when we're willing to follow God, how God like, okay, I can overlook some pretty like gross issues here. I can give each one of you hope in your life. And David, you know, in the Psalms, we start reading, how does he connect with God? How does he experience this presence of God? How does he, you know, keep on going? And uh, a few Psalms, I just want to read to you quickly. Psalm 16, 11. You show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You see, David just knew when he could get into the presence of God, there was joy and there was pleasure. And it was greater than any other kind of joy and pleasure you can imagine. He just knew the presence of God was the real, true pleasure and joy. Psalm 26, 8, I love your sanctuary, Lord the place where your glorious presence dwells. David was like big into the gathering of the people, just like we do in church. There's something about coming to church and saying, God, I just desire to want to be with fellow worshipers and I want to experience you as I worship you and I pour out my heart to you. David was saying, this is like a big deal. David really got it. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going to play a few songs and then, you know, carry on or how quick can we get over? No, it was like, I want to be in your courts, God. One day in your courts is like a thousand, you know, days elsewhere. It's like just give me God's presence. Let me get it together where I can worship, where I can sing. In uh, in in Psalm 51:11, uh, do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David had messed up big time, and David was saying, "Okay, you can do anything to me." but just don't take your presence away from me, God. You can stick me in jail. You can like send me out in the wilderness. You can take everything away from me, but just don't leave me. Just your presence. And I need, Lord, that's the worst punishment you can ever give me is if I'm removed from your presence. David got it. David got it. And we realize this from a cry for our eternal desire to be with God, God's presence. Psalm 140, 13, surely righteous people are praising your name, the godly will live in your presence. You just said presence, presence, presence. And then here's the point of all these. If you want to take your notes, you can maybe in your outline circle, this Psalm 89:15. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Friends, there's just, you know, because we can gather together so easily and freely, we sometimes underestimate the presence of God, the joy of getting together and worshiping. Uh, It's a a delight. So what I am saying is both Moses and David value God's presence. Now, the Apostle Paul uh, talks about how we can experience God's presence in a whole different way. Uh, David, it's like through worship, like we really can connect through worship. And the Apostle Paul is saying it's through prayer, and we can really connect with prayer. And we need to be involved in prayer. Uh, we should have a lifestyle of prayer. And prayer to the Apostle Paul isn't a few guys getting together and making petitions. God, please do this. Please do that. No, the Apostle Paul's idea of prayer is perfectly explained, uh, I would say, in Ephesians uh, 6.18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I mean, that's like broad. I mean, that's like everybody, everywhere. Be persistent. Be praying in the Spirit. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he has the point. Never stop praying. It's not just like, okay, I'm praying when I'm in a prayer meeting. No, you you are praying from the moment you wake up to the time you sit up. You're just inviting God's presence. God, I'm praying for this. God, direct me in this. God, help me in this. God, bless this. God, I give this to you. Help me in my thoughts. I mean, it's a permanent dialogue with God all day long. That's the big idea from the Apostle Paul. But John 15 captures it in a whole different way. So here you got John. This is the apostle that uh, Jesus loved. Uh, You know, he wrote Revelation and John 1, 2, 3 and and the Gospel of John. I mean, this guy's connected with Jesus. He's part of Jesus' inner circle. And Jesus, like, explains to him in in John chapter 15 this awesome, like, great picture. Because it's not just a picture. It's so uh, appropriate to our living, which is the vine and the branches. The vine and the branches. I mean, it is just one of the most, like, fantastic sections of Scripture. Uh, Chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is a gardener. So Jesus says, I'm the grapevine. My father's a gardener, and uh, I'm the grapevine. It says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Great picture. It's not like, okay, you know, it's Sunday. I'll check in with Jesus, but the rest of the week, I'll just do it on my own. No, I mean, that kind of mindset, you just like wither and die. It's like you remain in Jesus. Like every day, He's sustaining you. He's giving you the stuff. And if you remain in Jesus, He promises to remain in you. It's a great, great, great promise. Verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I mean, this is a promise of Jesus. When we connect to Him, we experience joy in every situation on all occasions. I mean, it's just incredible. So the point is that Jesus is vital. Jesus is stimulating. Jesus, you know, can just help us connect. Many of you know that uh, I am like musically, like the last pick in any musical team. I was glad Sanaya was standing next to me today with things. And Rod was leading us because if Rod is not like giving me this, I'm off. I just like, you know, I just like music. Whatever. But here I am, I'm finding myself, look, I've got to talk about worship because like worship is like a really big deal. And I love worship. I just love worshiping. You know, it's too bad that I'm like musically inept, but so what? I mean, I can still worship. But at the conference that we were at in the summer, uh, the Vineyard gets together and many of you are at the conference. So the Northeast, all the Vineyard churches in the Northeast, we got together in Syracuse and we had a week together of, as a conference. And one of the ladies from Connecticut uh, was doing a, like a TED talk uh, on worship. And I sat there and I, and I listened to her and I said, I could never articulate it the way she's articulated. I just love what she's saying. She's, she's speaking my language because she was talking about worship and connecting with the presence of God. So I want you to watch this video. It's a little bit of an extended clip, but why don't we watch this uh, girl from New Haven, Connecticut, explain worship to John us. John
2: Wimber once defined worship as the act of freely giving love to God. It's a simple idea but it's a revolutionary one. And it's one that's sewn into the fabric of the Vineyard Movement since its very foundation. Worship helps us become lovers. We were made to be lovers of God. We weren't just made to be a people who knows all the right things about God, a people who do all the right things. We were made to be a people in love, made alive by love and head over heels in love with God. The vineyard taught me that. I didn't grow up going to a vineyard church, but I did grow up singing vineyard songs. Um, I actually sang them in English and in Spanish at the bilingual church that I went to as a little kid. And what always struck me so much about those songs is that they were love songs, all of them were love songs, sung directly to God with the expectation that God would respond. And this first part, love songs to God, is actually something the Vineyard takes really seriously. Talks about it as a core value of worship, this idea of intimacy. Draw me close to you, never let me go. I'll lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. Nothing else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace. These are strikingly intimate songs. And real talk, when I first was introduced to this way of relating to God through worship, I didn't like it. Mm -mm, I didn't like it at all, actually. I thought it was super weird. Um, It made me really uncomfortable. What's interesting is that even in times of my life, when I was weak in my faith or running away from God, I actually was pretty, felt pretty good and okay. Singing songs about God, generally. Singing songs about the grandeur of God or the glory of God or the big picture story of God. They were challenging to me, but I I was okay singing it. But the thing that I, It was really hard for me, was singing love songs to God. There's something about that that made me a little bit squeamish, quite a bit uncomfortable. But as I spent time in communities that were inviting me to sing love songs to God, I felt my heart change. I felt that change about me. I started to let myself feel in worship, maybe cry in worship, bring my emotions, my whole self to God and and see what happens. It's all over the scriptures, this way of relating to God, that God can be a refuge, a place that we run to. We can hide in the shadow of his wings. It's a healthy relationship. And over time, as we worship in intimacy, it changes us for the better. We can draw near to God. But worship can't just be intimacy alone. You can't just stop there. Um, Intimacy just in one direction forever. Raise your tick, quick poll of the of the room. Has anyone ever had a relationship in your life where there's lots of love, but it's only in one direction? Anyone, anyone at all? Um, it's it's kind of cool at first, but then it gets old really fast. and <laughs> It's not sustainable. That kind of a relationship doesn't go anywhere. So if worship is just us intimately singing love songs to God and that's it, it's not a sustainable practice. It doesn't do anything for us. We're not just singing love songs to God in this movement. You're singing love songs to God with the expectation that God will respond. This idea of kingdom expectation, super important. Confession moment. I have a habit uh, that I slip into every once in a while of thinking that everything's all about me. I don't know if anyone... (laughs) can relate to this. If you can't, don't tell me. It's fine. Um, Every once in a while, I get into this bad pattern of thinking where I think that, especially when it comes to worship, and particularly if I'm in the role of leading people in worship, I think, oh, for God to show up, i Definitely have to be in my a-game spiritually in a very very good place, and we have to have the perfect chord progression Definitely include a lot of atmospheric guitar so that the spirit can settle in if the atmosphere is not right Then surely God will not appear (laughs) worship will be useless Um, (laughs) I don't think That is healthy. Um, What kind of a lover would God be if he only showed up whenever we had our lives together? Whenever everything was just right? What kind of a friend would God be if he only hung out with us whenever we were in a really good place? He wouldn't be a very good friend at all. That wouldn't be a healthy or good relationship, would it? God made us to be lovers, right? But it's because God himself is a lover. He loves us and he wants to hang out with us. That's why he responds. This one time, I was leading a home group, or leading worship for a home group that was in my house. It's very simple acoustic guitar. And right before home group, I was hanging out with a friend of mine. Um, And he was complaining to me um, about our church and the way we do worship. Uh, And the music, it's just, we sing for so long, and the songs are really boring, and I just wish we would do things differently, and it's just, why do we even do this? So there's nothing more encouraging, you know, for a young worship leader to hear from a friend just about how much he hates your worship, Um, but we were about to start in a couple minutes, and so what could I do? I was like, all right, thanks for sharing, and then... (laughs) Started the home group, and I started, you know, strumming the guitar, and I played this song, um, "Come, Lord Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, come." And then, within like not much time, I started to hear these boo-hoo cries, and, and I, I kind of stopped singing. I look around, I'm like, "What is this?" And it was my friend weeping loudly the first moments of this song, the Holy Spirit was meeting with him. The Holy Spirit was meeting with this guy who didn't really even want to sing these songs. All he did was make space, engaging in worship, in musical worship. That was all God needed. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Even with a hard heart, even, you know, not necessarily wanting it to happen, he made the space, and that was enough for the living God to say, okay, you say I'll come, I'll come. It doesn't depend on us. In the space of musical worship, we are formed to be lovers of God. And we can worship confidently with the expectation that God will respond. Because he loves us. Because he wants to. He wants to hang out with us. So Vineyard family, we have an invitation to worship with abandon to worship our God and draw near to God with the expectation that he draws near to us. If we feel like we have a hard heart, what do we do? We worship and we'll watch it change. If we feel like we don't necessarily feel comfortable drawing near, let's do it anyway. And he will draw near to us. Let us engage in the act of freely giving love to God. And let's see what God will do in response.
0: Ah, that was just really good. I mean, she's saying things which uh, I think speak from the heart. Why don't we put this into practice? Come on, worship team. Uh, come on up. And why don't we all stand? And let's just do it. Let's do worship. Uh, give your heart to the Lord. Sing with a bit of emotion. Uh, you know, if you're feeling like you're in a tug of war and you're resisting, just ask the Spirit of God to uh, to guide you, to be with you, and if you don't know Jesus, uh, this is like really like a tension point. It's like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. Uh, I just encourage you. Just ask the Lord into your life and say, Jesus, let Your Holy Spirit dwell within me. Let let Your Spirit guide me, and let the Spirit of God flow through you. It'll lift you up, bless you. Let's just worship. Thanks, Brian.